What's up, boys and girls? Thank you for tuning in to the Josh Belcher Experience. I'm your host, Josh Belcher. Remember, this podcast is unique, just like all the other ones you listen to. The only thing that truly sets us apart is your host has an ADHD-driven mind, followed by a splash of bipolar tendencies. Now sit back, relax, hold on to your seats, and let's get this party started. Just conducting an interview with a comedian that I'm very proud calls Middle Tennessee home. That would be Dusty Slay. He has a residency at Zany's Nashville called Dusty Slay's Grand Old Comedy Show. The next one being Wednesday, September 11th at 7 p.m. Doors open at 6. $15 to get in. Now, Dusty Slay has been on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel Live. He recently did the Grand Ole Opry for his sixth time. He's made six appearances on the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, at one point, he was the youngest person ever to do it at just 36 years old. Uh, he's got all the social medias. He's got a really funny Instagram. He's also on Twitter and Facebook. So check him out. I'm uh, getting ready to talk to him. He's in Connecticut on tour right now. We talk about being on the road, uh, his podcast, uh, doing comedy in general, and just uh, life here in Middle Tennessee. So here you go. Enjoy. Super excited to see you uh, here September 11th at uh, Zany's in Nashville. Um, very much looking forward to that show. Uh, you know, you've got a residencies here. That's pretty awesome. So just, just glad to have you on the podcast, and thanks for taking the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I appreciate all that. And uh, Zany's is great, uh, the club here in Nashville. I love doing Zany's. I mean, I'm so happy that – I mean, I've been doing a monthly show there for – I don't know. I mean, it's got to be close to three years now. I don't know, maybe two. Who knows? But uh, – I've been doing it for a while, and it feels really good. I mean, it's growing, and, and it's organically growing, much like all of my career is that it's organically growing. Not, <laughs> nothing, nothing suddenly happened that, yeah. that, that launched me into popularity. I've been just working for it step by step, making it happen. And, yeah, uh, yeah I'm pumped. I mean, I'm, uh, I got a big week. I'm, I'm, I'm in Bridgeport, Connecticut today. Sunday, oh. I'm in, in, in Nashville. I'm going to do a thing for the Predators. Right um, and then uh, Monday I fly to Vegas. Wow. Thursday or, or Wednesday I'm back uh, in Nashville to do Zanies. Thursday I'm off to Arizona, and um, it's a wild yeah. schedule. I don't think I'm built for flying. I don't think my body's built for it. My my whole family. <laughs> I come from a line of farmers. As yeah. far as I know, my family came into the country in the early 1700s and have been farmers uh, that whole time. So um, I'm mixing it up, and my, my, my grandfather was born in 1900, and he used to ride a horse and buggy to town. And wow. uh, so, so I, I'm two generations away from a horse and buggy. I don't think I'm built for flying. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you, but my last car, I traded it in. It had 317,000 miles on it. Wow. So I, I don't know that my body really wants me to be driving anymore either. So it may be horse and buggy for me from now on. What about tour bus? Is it about tour bus time or at least a really nice RV? Well, I hope so. That'd be great. I'd I'd love the tour. I I went on tour with Burt Kreischer a little bit, and I rode on his tour bus, and uh, that's a pretty nice life he's living. Yeah, not too bad, not if you have your own tour bus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be like from trailer park to, to tour bus, uh, which is basically the same thing, you know? Yeah, sounds like a Toby Keith hit, you know, in the making right there. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be um, right back to a trailer. And 
my, one of my questions bringing up all your touring and, and you know and being on you know the tonight show and all that good stuff are you so popular now can you still shop at like walmart or target or kroger or anything like that well uh, yeah i'm still able to shop uh so it hasn't gotten to that place yet but uh the hat makes a nice disguise for me if i don't <laughs> want people to recognize me i just don't wear the hat i mean i love wearing a hat so yeah. that's a little hard for me because i like wearing the hat yeah but, uh, but I just, you know, I can do a, I can do a man bun, and uh, no one even knows who I am. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> but I get recognized at the airport a lot. Almost every airport I go to now, I get recognized by at least one person, and that's pretty that's, amazing. That's that's awesome. It's so cool. And then, like, uh, one thing, you know, because a guy growing up in Middle Tennessee is myself, uh, being on the Opry's big time, you've done it twice. And the youngest comedian, right? If I'm not, uh, if I'm not incorrect, to do it, to do uh, well, yes. Opry. At least at the time. I don't know if that's been broken since then. They've been doing a little more comedy lately. But, yeah, actually I've done, as of last week, I've done the Opry six times now. Heck, yeah. Dude, that's and, awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to me. I mean, I went to the Opry as a kid. I grew up in Alabama. I went to the Opry as a kid. I, um, and uh, I always loved country music. So now I'm, I'm going and I'm getting to meet all these country stars that I grew up watching. Like, I just met Neil McCoy and Ricky Skaggs and – so uh, I cool. met I met Charlie Daniels and uh, yeah it's amazing John Conley yeah, yeah and it's cool and they, and they recognize you too that's the best part yeah it's great I mean we get to I mean Lee Greenwood came up to me the guy who I've been singing the Lee Greenwood uh, <laughs> proud to be an American since I was in elementary school actually yeah. when I was in elementary school I thought that should be the national anthem and yeah. Lee Greenwood told me how much he liked my comedy the other day and How's that's pretty that? amazing amazing. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to pick your brain about, okay, you're in Nashville, and as a comedian, like I said, I'm proud of my local guys. There's you, uh, Bargatze, Keith Alberstadt, but, like, these guys are, like, living in New York and L.A., and you're making it all happen in Nashville. Is it harder to do it as Nashville is a home base versus living in, like, one of the bigger areas? Well, it's hard to say because I've never lived in those areas, so I don't know that it's harder but I think, uh, I think in a lot of ways it can be because you're not around the industry people, you know. So, I mean, I'm, I've been getting seen by agents and stuff in Nashville for a long time, uh, but they're all music agents, right? So yeah, it's okay. like finding, finding a way to get in front of people can be harder when you're uh, doing what I do. But in, in some aspects, I, I think it's easier because I, don't, I didn't have to, you know, I wasn't waiting tables while trying to become a comedian. You know, I got to work the road. I got to be a comedian while trying to be a better comedian because yeah. rent's cheaper. Now, rent's gone up in Nashville since I'm oh there. But, uh, yeah. yeah, living in Nashville. That's why I live in Columbia, which is just enough far away to where it costs some gas, but at least I'm not going broke trying to keep a roof over my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, my old roommate is from Columbia. Uh, yeah. yeah. Who is it? It's Cody... Cody, uh, and now I can never remember his last name. Dang. He lives gotcha. in Nashville now. Cody, I'm actually uh, yeah. uh, Native Franklin guy. Um, okay, dab- all right. Dab- dabbled in comedy myself. Didn't have quite the presence. I uh, got a Nora came to a lollipop. I've seen you've got a couple of those. That's awesome. Oh, um, yeah. Great, I love Nora. You're a great lady. Um, but, like, you just got it, my brother, and just really excited to see you live. I mean, I've, you know, I've listened to the, the you know, on Spotify and watched the videos. One thing you do that I like, being a guy that took uh, uh, Rick Roberts' class, you do something I've never seen anybody do. On your podcast, you you help 
comedians try to better themselves? I mean, usually you're having to pay top dollar for that. What made you decide that that's something you wanted to do? Well, I just, um, you know, I just travel around a lot, and I see, um, I just see a lot of people like making mistakes. That I feel like if if they weren't making those mistakes, their whole comedy would be better. And like if I'm working with somebody in a scene, or if I go to a city and want to do an open mic. If the open mic's not good, then it's not going to be fun for me. It's probably not fun for the audience or the other comics. And if people are making certain mistakes that are hindering them from being better, I I believe that if uh, if all people doing comedy have a little guidance and everybody doing it is better, then it's just going to make us all better, right? Because you don't get worse at comedy if the people around you are better. You know, yeah. you only get better at comedy. And it's like it's nice to be around people that challenge you, and I think, I don't know, for me, comedy helped me as a person, you know, it helped me, um, I don't know, comedy gave me a, a confidence that uh, that I didn't have before in other things, and uh, so I want other people to have that, and also, it's like, if you follow all the steps that I talked about, and you're still not good at comedy, then mm-hmm. maybe it's just not your thing, right, and it's like, yeah. that's also okay, like, people view that like I can't do comedy as if they failed and it's like no there's so many things we can all do right so if comedy is not your I I know people that they have these they're married they have families they have these great jobs and then they want to do comedy and then they fail at it and then they almost seem so beaten down and I'm like but look at all the other successes in your life you know most of us comics most of successful comics we don't have anything else (laughs) you know what I mean like This is our thing, and we're like, we got to make this work because I don't have a I don't have a college diploma. Um, you know, I couldn't prove that I have a high school diploma. I don't believe. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. I mean, I have one. I don't know how I'd prove it. I guess I called the school, but uh, yeah, I lost it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. But, but uh, what I meant more than anything is just it's a it's a you know it's, it's kind of like a good on you for like sharing your talent instead of like keeping it because there are some people out there that are going to listen to that. It's really going to benefit them. Uh, for these podcasts you've got, and I really I think you're doing a good job with that. Just another reason that, like I said, I'm just proud you're you're representing Tennessee. I know you're a Bama guy, but the fact that you're claiming Nashville, we're just we're proud for you. We're in your corner. Uh, it's just awesome, man. And, and you know, and, and you know, just spending your time and and everything, and just excited about uh, the comedy show and all that. Um, uh, one well, more I question. That. Yeah, one more question, and I'll get out of your hair. Uh, are we having a good time, you and me? Absolutely, of course we're having a good time. We're talking comedy, and uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I'm in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which uh, and it's raining today, so I'm kind of trapped in my hotel. And my hotel, the elevator broke at my hotel, so I'm, we're all using the service elevator. I'm thankful wow. that they have a service elevator, but uh, yeah. uh, it seems like a dreary day out here. So it's nice yeah. to nice to have a little conversation here. Yeah, the uh, the biggest thing they have, other than you being there now, is Evelyn Comier, uh, which we just had her on the podcast. She was on American Idol. Um, if you want to check her out? She sings with Chris Isaac. Not not too bad. Uh, oh trying yeah. To get to, trying to get to Nashville herself. Chris Isaac, I remember that guy. Yeah, he had the "I Want to Fall in Love" song, right? That's right. Yeah, he yeah. he's yeah. a Nashville resident now. He lives oh. uh, in Nashville. So, all right, man. And like I said, uh, break a leg with him tonight. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Fred from Cowboy Mouth, and you are listening to the Josh Belcher Experience. Are you with me? (laughs) 
an amazing interview with the Watson Twins. They will be stopping in Franklin, Tennessee, Saturday, September 21st, performing at the Pilgrimage Festival. They'll be on the Solo Cup Harpeth River stage. You can go to the website to add them to your schedule if you're going to the show. Uh, They'll be talking to us about performing there at the Pilgrimage Festival. Their album duo, their uh, really awesome single, Hustle and Shake, a bunch of other crazy, wild, cool stuff. So stay tuned. They're coming up right around the corner. My uh, co-host Sam Madewell here with me. Say hello, Sam. How are you doing? Hi, Sam. Nice to meet you. You as well. All right. This sweet young lady is in the Watson Twins that are coming to Franklin Saturday, September 21st, the Solo Cup Harpeth River stage, which is an awesome name itself. Uh, We're glad to have you uh, performing. Uh, You know, welcome. Tell us us what your plans are uh, going forward Um, with that. You know, I'm so excited. We um, have been living in Nashville for about six years now. And, wow. of course, um, know a lot about the Pilgrimage Festival. We've never uh, played before, but we, we got a chance to do Newport um, last year and met some folks who are affiliated with Pilgrimage Festival, and they were kind enough to give us a, a slot this year. So we're just really excited about it, and we've got some other friends that are playing, like uh, Butch Walker and Jenny Lewis, and yeah. um, there's just some amazing amazing folks so I'm really excited about it and I just like the as a whole just um you know the the vibe of what I've heard about it uh-huh. um just you know more of a daytime fest really family friendly it just sounds like it's going to be a really great time yeah and uh you know I am a native Franklin Tennessean which is like almost as rare as saying I'm Native American <laughs> you're and a I, unicorn that's what yeah, we call you it. yes a unicorn <laughs> Mythological but, being. <laughs> yeah, it's just so something to be so proud of to have a festival there now. Because I remember in high school, and I'm dating myself, but the only fun thing we had to do was hang out in the square, and you're not even allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> um, Times need to change. That's right. Change is inevitable. It's a good thing. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Jenny Lewis, and I know you guys have sang with a bunch of people, you know, the Kings of Leon, which is just awesome. Yeah. Um, but you, you do things with Jenny Lewis. I saw that funny video with um, – uh, Sarah Silverman in it. Did you yes. guys uh, perform a lot with her? What's the story with that? Yeah, so we're actually um, just getting ready to, to do some more dates um, opening for her, and then we also sing backup vocals, and that was just um, a really, we lived in Los Angeles uh, for many years, and Jenny was actually a neighbor of ours, and um, our band used to do shows together, and we were actually backup singers in sort of this southern gospel rock band. It was kind of a, a crazy a crazy um, situation, but we used to do shows together, and she was just looking for some backup singers for her first solo record, Rabbit Fur Coat, and um, and just ask us. She said, "Hey, can I come over and play some songs for you guys? Um, I just wrote these." And she came over to our house with her guitar and started playing these songs, and we immediately just started chiming in on harmony. And um, and she was like, "Oh, wow, this is great!" You know. And then we did a couple of shows together. And the next thing I knew, she was like, we're, we're in the studio. And she was like, hey, can I call this record uh, Jenny Lewis with the Watson Twins? And so it was just a really fun, organic kind of experience. And it really led us to sort of coming onto the scene as, as known backup singers. And then we started, you know, getting calls to sing with people and do session stuff. And it's it's been a really great um, experience because my sister and I, of course, we love playing our own music. But it, there's just something so great about being part of a unit part of a band that that you can really become just part of the fabric of the song and that is something that we just really enjoy doing um and so we kind of have the best of both worlds where we get to sit back and relax and sing with people like we just sang with margot price and 
right they on. just sit back and relax and, and enjoy their their music and just get to be a part of it. And then there's um, our solo stuff, which is the two of us front and center. And um, we just, our, our last record, Duo, just came out um, last year, and we've been playing a lot of songs from that uh, new record, which we co-wrote, and I know it sounds crazy, but we're twins, and we never co-wrote a song together. But wow. um, we we spent um, a lot of time on this record co-writing together, hence the name Duo. And yeah. um, and we do all the singing together during the set, so it's um, Watson Twins times two. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, and I saw, and you know, like, let's, let's just like saying, you know, twin powers activate, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you totally. All in, in a great band. Well, anyway, hey, I'm gonna pass it off to Sam. He's got his hand raised like a good little student. Had some questions for us, so he's gonna he's gonna take it over from here. That'd yeah, I see, I see you guys. Uh, we're in the Silver Lake, Los Angeles area in the early 2000s yeah. there, and yeah. I was just wondering. So Nashville is now home. So what are your experiences mm-hmm. living here versus in Los Angeles? You know, um. Two very different scenes, but um, two really amazing music communities. So mm-hmm. I would say, you know, in Los Angeles, the especially in Silver Lake, the whole thing was more about like, um, you know, if you were in a band, you wrote your own songs, you didn't co-write with people, um, right. you didn't you didn't use other people's songs. It was really about sort of the band unit and writing your own original material, um, which is great. But you know, obviously, then you're you're kind of just you know picking from a small pool of kind of material or what you want to do. Whereas of course, Nashville is known for collaborating and just, um, you know, it's a songwriter's town. And so I think, you know, for us, we really enjoyed um, both sides of that because there's a really tight knit community in Silver Lake with, you know, it was just like amazing to be able to go into a small club and see Elliot Smith or um, see Beck at the grocery store. You're like, this is so weird. Um, but amazing and inspiring as well. And then to come here to Nashville and just meet a really um, amazing community of musicians. You know, I think just the quality of of performer here is just on another level, and I think that's because of the history of the town. You know, that historically that's um, that's what Nashville is known for. And so um, I think it definitely resonates when you move here. Cool. Um, the song Hustle and Shake, what was the thought process behind that song? Groovy song, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, you know, um, that actually is my sister and I, we, that's, that's our story um, about living life and, and the music business. And, mm-hmm. you know, it really is, there's so many, you know, we get to tour with so many amazing performers and get to, um, you know, live the life of a lot of our friends who are, you know, our friend Vanessa Carlton was just on Broadway and it's like these experiences that our our friends have, but really when you, when you get down to it at the end of the day, um, everyone is just out there hustling and shaking, you know, it's, it's a, it doesn't matter what level you're at. It's like, if you want to be in the music business, um, there's a certain amount of hustling you need. And, and, you know, the shake of course is that, that reward that we get, um, whether it's the, the guarantee at the end of the night or the audience's applause or commuting with other musicians. But um, it, it's just, it, it is, you know, that's our life is the hustle and shake of the, sort of the music industry. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a lot of great references in there. Like um, one line says like midnight drives and breakdowns. It's like that really happens. <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot of great like real references in that song of our story. And um, we just thought it was, it was time to kind of tell that because we've spent so much time, um, you know, doing this. And the first line 
says outside of the spotlight is the line of truth. And that's really about us learning the ropes, being backup singers, and then sort of also stepping into the spotlight for ourselves. Yes. Um, I wanted to add in something that I wanted to compliment you with. Your your approach to songs like the one voice style, I don't know what they call yeah. that. But it reminds me of like a female version of the Everly Brothers, which is still you yeah. close to me here in Columbia. Uh, do they influence you guys? Because it kind of sounds like they do at least a little bit. Oh yeah, I mean all those those great um, acts with the, the the family harmonies are just I mean it's just amazing and kind of our you know, the reason we decided to do it was you know a lot of times when you're in the studio um, you'll double track a vocal so you know your part if it, you're singing the lead you might track it twice and you layer it in a way that makes it sound like one voice but it gives it sort of this other quality right mm-hmm. and so we just said hey you know what if we did that live because we can double each other and match perfectly and so now we have this quality that not most people can't do live they have they can only do it in the studio and yeah. so we utilize that on the record as well where um every lead part was sang by both myself and her and every harmony part was sang by both myself and her so it was like it, it really ended up being like you know again Watson twins to the max <laughs> yeah i mean you Which, have an you know <laughs> go ahead I was saying you have a natural, uh, you know, overdub. You, you have a built exactly. sister. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we always tell that to people who um, bring us into the studio. We're like, look, it's going to cost you half as much and take you half <laughs> the amount of time because yeah. there's two of us, one mic, a couple takes, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Hey, listen, safe travels. Thank you for speaking with us. You you, you sound sweet and you're well-rounded. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to seeing you at the pilgrimage. And you have a good rest of your evening. Happy Labor Day. Thank and we'll you. catch you when you get to Franklin. Yeah. Awesome. My pleasure. Have a great night. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye. This week's Yettysburg Address, we had Robert Swain from Arkansas. He's a Bigfoot enthusiast as well as a pastor, a Church of Christ preacher, and he is the uh, front runner uh, and head fellow there of the Arkansas Primate Evidence Society, or APES. Uh, wordplay there, very clever. Sam, what did you think about that intriguing conversation with the good, the good preacher? I thought it was very interesting just hearing a, a preacher's uh, point of view of it and hearing his multiple encounters. I thought it was very interesting, a lot of good details to it. Yeah, he said things, you know, like he, he described colors and like how big they were. I didn't realize they were that big, but nine foot tall, almost mm-hmm. ten foot tall. They oh. could play in the NBA if we could That's get right. them, you know, we could get them on the right team. So uh, thank you to Mr. Swain. He, he gave us some details about the next conference he's got in Arkansas. And like I said, we're going up and down all the 50 states. We're going to hit all the 50 first, and then we might go all over the globe because it's so far, uh, everywhere we've been talking since we started the Yettysburg, there's somebody in every state that's talking about this thing or this this entity, this being, and they've got tons of people. There must be something to it. Everywhere you go, there you know they're talking about thousands of people showing up. So it's got to be something. I agree. Yeah. So uh, stay tuned for that, and we'll catch you uh, next time for the Yettysburg Address. Woohoo! Thank you. Adios, amigos. I'm here with my friend Sam. How are you doing? All right. Hi, Sam. This, I'm Rob Swain. Good. All right. Uh, Mr. Robert Swain of the Arkansas Primate Evidence Society, thank you for being on this week's Yettysburg Address, sir. We're really grateful. And you're out of Arkansas, right? Yes, I am. Uh, I live around uh, Bologna, Arkansas, right up, just north of Little Rock. Awesome. We uh, on our podcast, we're trying to go up and down all 50 states. We've hit uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, 
Uh, we're here with you now in Arkansas. We're starting with the southern ones because that's the one we revere the most. And just Carolina. going from there. Carolina, yeah. Um, so, sir, um, I was reading up on you, you know, as a man of faith and as a pastor, which is awesome. Um, uh, where, where does, uh, you know, the Sasquatch tie in with that? Because, I mean, I don't, I don't know as far as like a, a, a belief in God. How does that tie in with, with Bigfoot? I mean, I was just kind of curious <laughs> on your aspect of it. Well, big, uh, the squatching is a hobby. Uh-huh. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, Christianity is my life. Yes, uh, I, you know, when I when I talk about Bigfoot, I really, I really don't have to convert anybody. You know, they yeah. can take it or leave it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> when it comes when it comes to that, the way I look at it is, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, big. I believe that Bigfoot is a primate. I believe it is flesh and blood animal. Uh, I believe that it's out in the woods and it's the big big hairy monkey that we look for. And uh, it's not the missing link, and it's not a primitive man. Uh, I think there's a distinct difference uh, between mankind and, and the primates and all yeah. and, and animals. But God made us all. And so the way I look at it is if, if, if it's out in the woods, and I believe it is, and uh, in fact I know it is, um, uh, God made it, and uh, I have to deal with it that way. Whether yeah. you know, I, I'm concerned, I'm comfortable with that or not. I, I do have to, I do have to believe that uh, God made it all, and He's in control. And uh, it's just a fun hobby, you know. It's, yeah. a, it's amazing. I like to think that we don't know everything that that's out there, and that there's still mysteries to be solved, and and um. It's really kind of fun to be a part of that. Yeah, and people revere you as like an expert because I see you do a lot of uh, speeches and everything. So they har- they hold you in high esteem when it comes to you know looking for uh, Sasquatch or Bigfoot knowledge and things of that nature. Well, uh, I, I I try to be friends in uh, with all the groups you know that are uh, mainstream and that aren't just way off in left field somewhere. Uh, and uh, I've got friends in, in every group, and I try to respect them. And in return, I'm, I've really been blessed with uh, the people respecting me, and that's uh, I really appreciate that. In fact, when I have uh, the Arkansas Bigfoot Conference, this will be our year to have it. I always try to pick people to speak that uh, I know personally, and that I've been in the woods with them, and I've watched them research and. I have respect for, you know, their level-headedness and the way they approach the subject. And so that's, that's really who I look look to and gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, one of the things I wanted to ask, um, uh, have you actually seen a Sasquatch Bigfoot? And based on your observation of seeing it, uh, could you explain what it looked like? Yes, I will. Um uh, yeah, it was about two years ago in, in Oklahoma when I had my first sighting. I've been doing this for about 12 years or, or so, and uh, I had my finally had my first sighting about two years ago. Uh, it was, uh, of course, it was in it was in daylight, uh, and I was I was driving, and it crossed the road in front of me about probably about 300 feet in front of me. And uh, it was standing uh, to, to the passenger side of my car on the, the road. And as soon as I turned the corner, I saw something moving. And uh, it, it turned 
sideways and kind of looked in my direction and then it bent over uh, <laughs> like a like a linebacker holding a football, you know, about to be tackled. You know, you've seen that look. <laughs> when, and it had his arms tied against its chest and it kind of bent over and it took one step, two steps, three steps, and the third step it was in the trees and it was gone. Wow. And uh, the next day, we uh, we I had a friend of mine that's a uh, um, fairly tall guy and a big guy, and I had him stand where it was, and I parked my car where I'd stopped my car when I saw it. Instead of speeding up to get closer to it, I, I, I automatically just braked and, and stopped the car. Uh, and so it took it took him seven steps to get across the same gravel road, and so it was quite Long big. Stride. And 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 when he my friend is about six four, and uh, when he was standing upright, he was about the same height as this thing was that bent over. Uh, oh so it had to be eight to nine feet tall. Uh, we he and I looked. That next day, and we were able to find one footprint, uh, and we cast it. And so I got a I got a sighting and a footprint cast, well, you know, yeah. from my very first sighting. And the, the footprint was a little over 19 inches long, and the toe splay was at 11 inches. So it was a big foot, and it yeah. had to be a big animal. And I and and I've looked for this for years. And then I couldn't believe it when I saw it, <laughs> and I and I just went through my mind uh, all of the things that might have been could it, could it have been a deer? No, uh, could it have been a, an elk? You know, uh, uh, no, it was on two legs. Could it have been a person? Well, my friend Jim was the, the biggest guy that I knew there. That's when I got got him to reenact it, and he was dwarfed compared to what I saw. And there just wow. couldn't have been there just couldn't have been anything else out there in nature. I always thought, well, could it have been a horse? But it was on two legs. Yeah. Uh, it was, and and it had its arms tucked up against its chest. And I don't know if it was carrying a young or or a food a roadkill or food, or maybe it was just trying to make itself look small. You know, it was caught in the open a little bit and. And it was headed towards the, the cover of the trees, and maybe it was just trying to, to hope that I wouldn't see it. And yeah, that's what I, I find that interesting, too, a lot. Um, a lot of sightings of people driving, and it seems like, you know, if you're ever out in the road walking, you can hear or see a car coming. So it seems like yeah. you're not too uh, concerned, maybe, unless that's what it was where you just happened to, like, catch it, you know? I had... I had just pulled off of a two-lane blacktop road onto a gravel road, and I was going down to where we were encamped by a river. And I think this thing was circling the encampment. It was coming up the river, and uh, it, had, it was skirting around the tents and all that were there. And it was probably at a place that it normally didn't cross. Mm-hmm. And if there, and all I had to do is just turn onto that gravel road, and it was a straight shot to where it was. And so, uh, and it probably it, it was familiar with the sound of that the cars on that on that highway up there. But as soon as I turned, 
it was it was caught in the open. It, there was right. really no other place for it to go. It was the color of uh, a pine a pine tree bark that's dry. You know, in that that light powdery brownish, yeah, gray brown color. It, that's the color that it was. And I didn't see any breasts. It, it had to be because of the the arms were up up around, close to its tip. Um, but it had to be a. I was. I just had the impression that it was a big male. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you happen to look at any facial features? Could you? No, I, it was too too far away. Uh, my goodness, I had my I had my phone, my cell phone on the dash, and it happened so quickly. I couldn't. I didn't even have a chance to reach for you right, know, the right. phone to, to think of. I had a and I had a, a GoPro, and I didn't even have it set up yet because we'd not been there that long and I'd not got all my equipment out and and had I had that on the back I'd have had a, a great video but I just Murphy's Law I guess. <laughs> well what's the uh, what's the difference between TV research and investigators such as yourself doing the groundwork? I'll say that again the, uh, the um, TV research? Yeah um, you know like the TV shows and whatnot um, what would you say the difference between the TV researchers and investigators such as yourself doing the groundwork? Well, I, you know, I, I hear a lot of criticisms of, of the people that are on television, but I, yeah. I personally watch them, and, and in a lot of ways I'm really appreciative of them being on the air because they're drawing attention to the exactly. subject. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there that won't go to the woods or, or honestly probably have no business being in the woods. I don't want to say anything, but you know, some people can uh, are just not uh, cut out to be woodsmen and be out in the woods right. and all. But but they'll watch the shows and they're they're educated uh, because of the shows. Uh, I, I feel I feel like uh, by the time you get your camera crews out in the woods and your sound people out in the woods and your support crew out in the woods. Uh, you know what we see on the show is orchestrated uh, yeah. to the yeah. point where it's really fucking. It would be like the a slick expedition, uh, you know, that yeah. went through the Himalayas and there was a hundred men tromping through the woods looking for something, and guess what? They never found it, and there's a reason for that because there was a hundred men in the woods. Uh, so I know some some of the TV personalities that I've talked to say that. Uh, you know that that they'll do that, and then uh, later on uh, they'll go out and do some real fun. Uh And so, uh, the a smaller group, you're probably going to have more possibilities of activity or finding something than a big group and, and a lot of people in the woods. So I think that would be the big difference. Right. Okay, usually when we, yeah, usually when we go into the woods, uh, our research is almost like a, a glorified camp out. You know, right. we'll set up and uh, there's no sense of trying to be stealthy in the woods because they know you're in the woods before you get out of your car. Yeah. You know, they're they're just, they're, uh, you know, the, we're in our, their backyard. So what we need to do is, is make it interesting for them and make them curious to, to come closer to us. You know, and I so we'll. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. I always thought about maybe um, like instruments, like a guitar, 
you know. Um, sure, sure. We've done that. I know people that sing, and uh, they'll they'll talk loud and they'll laugh, and uh, even when they start maybe hearing a wood knock or brush popping, you know, things like that, they'll not stop talking because it's been, you know, a lot. I think a lot of times these creatures will will make a noise or throw a rock or something like that to catch your attention uh, for their advantage. Uh, yeah, they're watching right. you, and they and they want to see where you're at and what you're doing. So if we hear something, we'll just keep on talking, and we'll be we'll be searching the privy line and all, but we'll we'll try not to draw attention to ourselves uh, in that way. Uh, but we'll sit around and we'll talk and we'll laugh around the campfire and tell stories and debate different things about. Uh, about what we're doing out in and things that might work and things that might not work. And then around 11 o'clock or, or so, uh, a lot of us will just all go to bed. And we're not really going to sleep, but we I will lay in my tent with a headphones on with listening to a parabolic microphone, and uh, we'll have recorders hanging out in, in the trees and maybe even some game cameras out. And uh, we'll... Uh, and because a wild animal isn't going to approach if it feels still threatened, and so uh, when you go to sleep or at least pretend to go to sleep, that's when they're going to feel more confident about coming. Right. And we've had we've had uh, things come through our camp. We, I've had uh, something touch my car next to my tent, and, and it left a, a handprint of 11 inch block from the bottom of the hand to the end of the finger. Yeah, you know, wow. so uh, they, they will come close to you because they're curious, but they won't as long as they feel threatened. So, um, in general, do you do you believe that they're dangerous? Like, um, you know, is there is there a danger to going out looking for them and whatnot? Or is that just well, how you present yourself? I've been scared a couple of times. Uh, I've never really felt like I've been in danger or my life was threatened. Uh, but my goodness, these are apex predators in the mm-hmm. woods, and uh, that means that if they are the apex predator, everything else is not, including us. Uh, you know, people go, dis- they disappear, they go missing in the woods all of the time, and and I can't help but think that at least some of these, I've read all of uh, Dave's books, 9-11 uh, books, uh, I mean, 11 books, and uh, um, I, I can't help but think that at least some of these are Bigfoot related. Although he's very been uh, David Pilates has been very careful about not yep. saying that. Yeah. Yep. But uh, I, man, it, some of them are just scream that to me when I read read those. Uh, I, yeah, I I would be concerned about going out in the woods by myself. I know a lot of people could do that, uh, but uh, that's I don't know, these are big, big animals, and yeah. if uh, you catch one that's sick or old or injured, uh, looking for an easy meal, you just might be that easy meal. Oh, boy. Yeah. This is a scary thought. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this, yeah. switch it up a little bit. Uh, have you ever used Bigfoot in a sermon while you were preaching up at the pulpit? You know, I, I, I just jokingly, my uh-huh. congregation, where I preach, they know what I do, and they, uh, and they'll they'll say, "Oh, hey, did you see that on television?" Or, 
or, you know, uh, did, have you seen anything lately? Or, you know, they'll joke around a little bit. Uh-huh. And, uh, but as, as, uh, uh, as an illustration, no, I have not done that. Uh, I try, I try not to bring the subject up, but if they bring it up, I'll talk about it. I, I, I just try to, I try to separate those out. In fact, when I, I really had a dilemma when I, I actually saw that creature cross the road in front of me because before that, everybody knew that I was interested in this and everybody knew that I was looking for this. Uh, and they would joke with me and, and, and carry on and, you know, I, it's all in good, good-hearted fun. But now I saw something. Right. And if I was to come out and say I saw something, they're going to have to make a determination about me. Sure. Am I telling the truth or am I making this up? Yeah. And so I, I I really felt like this could be damaging for me as a minister. Uh-huh. And so I decided, I told my wife, I'm not going to tell anybody. You know, yeah. I just a couple of close friends that, that squat knew my situation, but I wasn't going to tell anybody else. In the, in the very next weekend, I was, I was at a little conference and I was speaking about Bigfoot and and I always open it up for question and answer. And the first question was, have you ever seen one of these things? Uh And I wasn't going to lie. I mean, that would be just terrible to have your preacher lie to you. So I wasn't going to lie. So I took a deep breath and said, yes, I have. The second question, the hand went up. Well, would you tell us about it? (laughs) And so I wound up telling them what I just told you. And what I didn't know at the time was there was a reporter for the Little Rock newspaper sitting in the audience listening to me. And when they wrote the article about the conference I was at, they led with me talking about my sighting. And so (laughs) I went went in one day from telling my wife, I'm not going to tell anybody about it. (laughs) to having it posted on the front page of the Little Rock newspaper that went yeah. all over the state. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like I said, it, it reached it reached to Nashville because that's how we learn a little bit more about you. Oh, really? And I was concerned about that when I was going to go to go to church because all of those people I go to church with, they would have read that too. And I had a few of them come up and say, Robert, did you really see that? And I said, yes, I did. And that's it. End of subject. There was no, never a debate. Nobody ever said, no, I don't believe you. Nothing like that. And they, they were just so gracious about that. Because I was really worried that that might hurt my credibility. But it didn't. Yeah. It didn't. yeah I, well, um, and like I said, appreciate your time. And uh, could you tell us then about your next upcoming speaking engagement and also – how can people find out more about the Arkansas Primate Evidence Society? Is there like links, websites, uh, social media? Well, that? We, we typically uh, communicate through the Facebook page, uh, Apes or Arkansas Primate Evidence Society, and people are welcome to, to go there, and uh, or they could contact me personally, Robert Swain on Facebook. Uh, shoot me a message, and I'll be. I always try to communicate with the people to do that. Uh, my my next big thing is the Arkansas uh, Bigfoot Conference. 
this will be our fifth year having this. It's going to be September the 21st uh, in Conway, Arkansas, at uh, at the James Clark uh, Auditorium at uh, Conway High School. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll have we'll have speakers from Missouri and Arkansas and Oklahoma and Texas there, and uh, it will. Um, uh, we're hoping to have maybe 400, maybe or or more people. Uh, wow. Vendors vendors will be there. We'll have a lot of displays. Uh, footprint stands will be for sale, uh, and uh, just we have a question and answer session there that. Uh, People can stand up and and ask questions and or tell of, of their experiences and kind of like a, the town hall meetings you might see on television. And it's always a good day. It's just a one day event and it's just a really good day. Yes, sir. Uh, we have uh, D.W. Lee, that's the director of the MABRC there, and and Randy Savage uh, from Missouri. He's a man, Randy Missouri Savage. director. Yeah. Right no, no. <laughs> wish, I wish. Yeah. You know. And uh, we have uh, Lyle Blackburn. Uh, you might see him on television. He's got some really good books out, and he's just written a new book about the uh, Missouri monster, the Momo, and oh, he's wow. putting that. And uh, we'll we have several several people uh, that will be there. Ron Bowles of the uh, uh, Fro. And uh, just we, I think there's going to be nine of us speaking. It'll be a good day, and, yes. and I'm I'm one of those speakers. I always yes. try to pick people that, like I said, that I know and respect, and I always try to give them a, a topic that I want to be educated on. And so it's probably a little bit selfish of me, but uh, I I put this on, and then uh, I get to hear the things I need to hear and want to hear, you know, to make myself better in the woods. I hear you. Well, that's awesome. Hey, sir, uh, we thank you for your time. Uh, when we get this podcast revved up, we'll send you a link, and uh, thank you for being our guest this it's week. It's been great. Well, super. Thank you for letting me do this anytime. Any, if yes, you guys want to go out in the woods sometime, give me a call, and we'll, we can arrange that. that. That may happen. Yeah, that's awesome. We'd love to do that out in Arkansas. Super. We'd love it. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. Thank you, Robert. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that wraps up another fun-filled edition of the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Belcher. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to my little podcast. It sure is a lot of fun to make. And remember, if you keep listening to them, I'm going to keep making them. If you have anybody you know who would be a good guest, have them hit me up at joshbelcher at hotmail.com. Special thanks to this week's guests, comedian Dusty Slay, Chandra Watson of the Watson Twins, and Robert Swain being the guest this week on the Yettysburg Address, the Bigfoot Expert. Um, And also remember, I love you for you and where you're at in life. And we'll catch you later on down the line. Thank you so much, and have a good week. Bye-bye.